Hey, hey, everyone. I'm Katie McGregor-Bennett, your host of Connecting Tech and Design, a podcast that explores the relationship and the intersection between technology and design. Today, I've got a very special guest, Flora Muller of Four Point Builders. I'd love for you guys to meet her. I've had an opportunity to speak with her on another show already. If you're familiar with the other programs that I work on, Design Uncut is a program that we launched this year with Veronica Miller of Modanus Media and the Design Link Empire over there. Laura was on recently. We had a fabulous conversation about connecting the worlds of design and emotional wellness. And I, it was something that was very near and dear to my heart. I've made some changes in my life um, that have definitely increased my wellness over this year, which I think is kind of impressive considering that COVID was at bay, but uh, it didn't come easy. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that as well. But more importantly, so we really want to bring that back into the design realm and talk about the relationship between emotional wellness and good design. So with that introduction, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Laura Muller. How are you, ma'am? Hey, 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 Katie. Good, good. Thank you so much for having me today. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for joining and, and kind of coming back around to the, to the mic to talk about this topic. I know it's also very near and dear to your heart. We'll talk a little bit about those as well. But if you wouldn't mind, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about what you guys do, kind of the scope of work and type of projects and all that fun stuff. Great, great. Well, um, um, again, uh, my name is Laura, and I work very closely in partnership with my husband. He's a general contractor, Cliff, and we have a, let's say we have a boutique-sized firm. It's tiny but mighty, uh, based in Los Angeles, California, and we do um, commercial residential work, and in the commercial lane, we focus on um, tenant improvements, multifamily, restaurant, and retail work, Uh, and on our residential work, we uh, do custom new builds, remodels, fine period restoration, um, concept to completion services for us typically include, uh, of course, full service interior design, architectural design, and finishes, furniture, equipment, and design selection, and procurement to completion. Of course, we're builders, so we handle the construction and the project management, all the architectural documents. We have an in-house architectural team and uh, structural teams, so we are able to kind of keep everything really uh, here at headquarters. Uh, Full-service project management, administrative management of the projects from, like I said, the concept to turnkey. Um, Our Portfolio is pretty diverse in that we really take projects based on the uh, the overall holistic um, journey and process of the project. Some projects are not um, what we would call um, huge, but they have some beautiful, joyful um, part of the process that resonates with us on a deeply personal level because at this part of our development in our life and our careers together, Um, I think one of the most important things, um, and of course that takes us back to wellness, is to be able to live a life that's based in in joy and alignment. So if a project uh, provides us with that, I mean, that's kind of a priceless profit, isn't it? Um, And we do small and large projects, primarily in and around the Southern California area. Uh, I'm a native California girl, so uh, I know the the demographics pretty well, and I've watched it grow and change over the time. Um, But we also work nationwide. We have clients all over the country and in Canada. So uh, that's basically a little bit about us. We do, it's design build. We have about 10, up to 10 employees at a a given time. And we absolutely are passionate about 
the process. One of the things that we specialize in is kitchen and bath design um, with a, a slant on wellness and how to bring uh, wellness into the function of your home. And we all know that the kitchen is an everyday, uh, kitchens and baths are those everyday frequented areas that provide us with so much rigid kind of um, form that we really need to understand in order to create a sense of wellness and well-being when we're in a space that has to function so um, so I think specifically, yeah. right? And then the second uh, aspect of what we do on a deeply personal level is that we consult in the area of, like you said, uh, in wellness, bringing wellness into your space. It doesn't necessarily have to be your home or your bathroom or your bedroom, but uh, your office, your work, um, the way you live your life and creating environments for yourself that uh, not only um, capture and promote productivity, but that also really do um, assist in us aligning ourselves at the core when it comes to wellness and how we do that is um, very, very specific. And, and I think maybe it, um, taking the back door to these large buzzwords that we'll talk about, um, yeah. but also working with families, uh, with children, with special needs. Uh, my husband, uh, Cliff, he is a K through 12 um, educator in industrial arts, and he works with special needs children. So we together we have this kind of passion for um, getting under the covers when it comes to really building a life um, uh, around the authenticity of your family dynamics, which are very prevalent now today with so much information that we have about um, uh autism on the spectrum, kids that are dealing with ADD, Tourette's, ADHD, primarily though, families dealing with massive anxiety these days. I mean, massive anxiety, toxic levels of anxiety. Uh, and I feel that with the gifts that we have and, and the structure that we can bring as far as aesthetics and materials that we use and how we uh, remodel the space so that it's, it can promote that wellness is uh, really uh, uh, almost a responsibility. Uh, I have three children with special needs. Um, so I had to learn kind of the scrappy way. They're all high functioning 30 year olds now pushing 30. And so I really have this, um, a really life experience and and understand the value of when you get it right the beautiful changes that can happen as a uh, as a result of of really focusing on wellness in their home yeah yeah and uh, you know i think you're one of you're one of the only people that i've ever had this design the sort of the intersection conversation design and technology or design and anything else that has this heavy emphasis on the emotional wellness side of it, but with a real application based on your family and your, and your kids, but then also turning that around into a service that you provide to your clientele. And, and, and that was just one of the things when, when I re-met you, uh, well, I guess we really met you. I've been, I was sharing with Laura earlier, you guys, I've actually been stalking her for a couple of years. I didn't realize that I was, but I found her in my camera roll. Lo and behold, um, I knew she looked familiar, but, uh, you know, I think it's, uh, it's, it's just amazing what you've, you've done and, and really are bringing into direct view the importance of applying wellness and the real results, the tangible results that can be achieved when, when a, 
passionate approach to that um, is, 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 is done. So, you know, share a little bit if, if, if you can, that, you know, what you're, with that, what you're comfortable with, but sort of, you know, ap- apply some of that, that wellness and, you know, touch on the, the anxiety, but also kind of the, the spectrum components as well. Cause I think that's, you know, there's so much knowledge and insight to be gained for, for others on the other side of that. Well, I think that, you know, when, when it comes to design and when it comes to, um, merging the two, um, I think what's uh, really uh, incredible about the fact that we have data now, uh, Katie, that we did not have 30 years ago, and now we actually have, uh, in the pursuit of data, in the you know the 80s and 90s, and then we had this response to the data, which was the 90s and the early 2000s, which was let's just medicate all the kids. You know? um, oh, more medication—that's the answer. <laughs> Now we need to up that one and up that one. Now, mind you, I need to say that there's nothing shameful or wrong about medication. And it is incredible. uh, They have incredible um, new strides in holistic and synthetic medications that are changing lives. And there is absolutely, I'm 100% behind the science of, of good medicine when it comes to helping children thrive and, and not feel like they have to hide in their cave. And that's what your brain does. It just puts you in a cave with a big, fat, wet, ugly beast that you have to wrestle every day. That's your job. And then when you have five minutes of peace, you know, you have to work or do homework. And, and it's really tragic that when we, when we have all that, that's kind of a brain activity and we set that aside, how can we take our environment and technology and to create an environment that says, okay, we got your back. Okay, kiddo, we got your back. Okay, mom, single mom, three kids, we got your back. Here's some data. Now we have averages. So we went from, oh my God, kids are crazy. Then we went to, wait a minute, that's not crazy. Here's some data. Then we went to, well, let's fix the data by throwing medicine in it. Now we're like, wait a minute. There are other ways that we can potentially minimize the effects of some of these medications, minimize some of the dosing by sheerly offering other means, uh, nature, biophilia, um, bringing in the principles of, of those natural um, forms. And we have the, the data now. Now we know. So now it's like, I have lived through it. I've learned about it. I've, I've tried it. I've seen the results from it. And now I feel like I have a passionate responsibility to say, listen, guys, like learn from these things and, and I feel like I want to shout on the top of a mountain about it because it really does change lives. It's not cliche. It's not, Oh, and you know, new window treatments are going to change your life. Well, maybe they will, but the chances of that connection being what we're talking about here today is, is a slim to none. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about really changing one's life as opposed to, yeah, we're talking about addressing the aesthetic of it that perhaps has some additional perception, perceived benefits. Um, I'm probably going to get a bunch of trouble for saying that, but that's okay. <laughs> so, so some examples, yeah, some examples. Oh, what of uh, 
of what you guys have done. Yeah. For example, some of the things that we do when we work with um, children who are either on the spectrum or having some difficulties at school, and we'll go in and we'll actually sit in their room with them and they'll, we'll kind of just hang out and we'll see, you know, how they respond to the space. And you can often see if you are observing body language, um, squinting tells you a lot about uh, uh, the stress levels that a child might be experiencing when they're sitting under a certain desk light or they're not sitting by a window. So, I mean, once you've observed and you can um, look for maybe the top, you know, the top things to look for when body language is responding to stress, squinting, hyperventilating, tapping, you know, biting your fingernails. These are kind of things that we all kind of know that if you just start there with trying to assess a situation and analyze what's creating the anxiety and then, then step back, analyze. Now that you have some of that information, you take with it, you add in the layers of color psychology. Um, I mean, really psychology, not, I mean, they've been doing this for years. Why does McDonald's arches red and yellow? You know, why, why do, I mean, in advertising, it's been done. It's been, it's a science of color, but when we trickle it down into the day to day um, and we merge those aesthetics with the value of color, um, there are lots of um, shades of gray in there that we can utilize in a child's room. For example, looking at colors in a child's room, calming colors. White is still a very, very um, uh, calming color and it integrates well. Stripe, certain stripe patterns, it's funny, um, vertical patterns are more abrupt and harder to scan than horizontal patterns. So we tend to, if kids want to use certain um, uh, textures in their space to try to create some sense of of uh, of calm. Then, and they want something fun in their room. T- typically, we'll do horizontal neutral layers or horizontal patterns that are very very hard to read, but that they can still create some uh, energy. Um, keeping your colors toned down. Putting your um, child next to a window is very important, bringing in fresh plants and nature, Um, looking at certain textiles. For example, fibers in rugs can often create a lot of anxiety. Have you ever seen a kid? They've they've probably seen it on YouTube where you try to put your baby down on cut grass and their legs come up like this and they hike it up because they don't want to touch it. Well, you think about throwing them on the grass long enough, they'll adapt because we're, we're, we're adapting species. We will adapt, right? So we adapt to something that is in, inherently and intuitively uncomfortable. Well, you do that long enough and then you sit them into a classroom where they have to conform there and then they're conforming to the, the kind of furniture that mom likes. You know, we have to start, take all that down, restart and, 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 and really look at design in, in, from an intuitive, on an intuitive level. My son had to, uh, he was very, very textural and he couldn't have certain fibers um, around him because he had Tourette's and ADHD and OCD. So uh, he had to take all the tags out of all of his clothes. You had to, uh, certain tapping sounds, uh, certain, uh, he couldn't have 
fibers under his feet. We had to take and have hardwood floors or very thin, low profile carpeting. And those are the kinds of things that we now have data over. And I could go on and on and on, but those are some of the things to even just open up a little door window in your mind of what's, what we're, what we're typically not looking at when we go to crate and barrel. Right. Right. And that's okay because we know what we like and we know what the kind of style we want. And, uh, you know, your life may, you may want to have a Pinterest board in your home, but the truth is, is you may send your family to the funny farm. So you really need to step back and then start from the, the, the bare bones of the list of what you absolutely know. Well, I know my kid is very sensitive. I know um, he, he, he he doesn't like to be boxed in. A lot of times claustrophobia is a very, very uncomfortable place. So typically what do parents do? They buy the double bunk bed with the desk underneath. And I don't know how kids ever get their homework done in that, but my kids could not, mm-hmm. right? It had to be flat. He had to have the eye scanning, had to be as little intrusion as possible. So everywhere at eye level for him had to be a single line without a depth of field change because the retina was in conflict with his brain activity after school. So these were the things that Mm. we learn over time. We learn the hard way, but there's also now data. So there's a lot to it. And that's why we consult on it. That's why certain conditions and certain stressors um, we need to remove and then start, and then we can make it look like a Pinterest board. <laughs> but only then. But only then. <laughs> Katie, now we have beautiful choices with things that if we know the fiber we're looking for, I guarantee you we can find it and make it look beautiful. But you can't just pick things uh, when you have certain, or when you're dealing with certain challenges. Right. And right. have all the challenges, of course, of just, just the ease of which you, you navigate a space. So, so that is really interesting. And I, and I have to think now that especially with thanks to COVID and the change everyone has had to make with coming and working from home, learning from home, schooling from home. Okay. So talk through that scenario. I mean, how are, how are designers addressing that and how are, how are homeowners sort of making their needs known? Is, is there a strong conversation being had that includes that level of need in the house as far as it relates to kids or is it still like do we is that still a little harder to get really to the meat of the issue or how did like there's a whole bunch of questions all in one but you know how what's the current scenario and how are you guys navigating it (laughs) i think because um i i think for a new designer coming in and and trying to and, and trying to take all this information um academically in and then trying to uh, create a questionnaire of things to ask your clients that you can get this information. Um, I think it's, that's a great start. I would never in, not encourage that. But the truth is, is when you get to my age and you get, you've lived through it enough, you sit down with your clients and you just go for the jugular. You just sit down and you go, listen, can we talk Turkey? Can we really get into this? Where do you guys handle your fights? Where, where, where's the most conflict in your home? Where do you guys, uh, when your kid throws a temper tantrum, does he lay on the floor or on the carpet? Does he, where does he calm down most? Uh, is, do you lock, does, do you have a child that locks themselves in their room or in the bathroom? When your husband comes home, where does he decompress? Uh, where do your kids really want to do your, their homework? 
you know, um, and then talking through those tough questions. And then, of course, there's always the question like, how's your kid doing in school? Yeah. I don't know why we can't, we, we as designers, we in the tech field, we in the area with a voice and in media today, which we were talking about earlier, just yeah. having these platforms available to us on YouTube, get out there and shout it from the rooftops. There is no shame in, I mean, why is, we're, there should never be a secret about your son or daughter if they're suffering with anxiety or depression. You know, I'm over that. Because almost everybody has some form of it. We all cry. We all feel ashamed about something. We've all been told from our childhood what's right and wrong by the bully at school. We all have some level. We all navigate this world on some level with a sense of something we are uncomfortable with or don't want to talk about. But if you just get through that, and I sit down with my clients and I'm kind of bold. I'm like, yeah. okay, you know what? I can't help you unless you and I get into bed together, all the clothes off, stretch our wrinkles, <laughs> let's, let's have a glass of wine, and let's sit down and let's talk. Let's explore this. <laughs> and it's funny. It happens in the weirdest spot. It usually happens on the day that we go shopping. Mm-hmm. I try to go shopping early on because I think it loosens everybody up. It's like, it's, it's an icebreaker yep. mm-hmm. and I like to observe and I, and I, we just, maybe we'll go to the uh, design center or maybe we'll go to, you know, one of our little um, areas in our, uh, in LA that have a lot of little design shops all together. We'll just take a walk. We'll have a lunch and I will literally start talking about my experience, which allows them and gives them permission to feel safe. Um, and then they can talk about theirs. And I, and I tell you, every, every single one of my clients over the past 30, 40 years have, we've been able to connect um, heart to heart. And then that's where the real beauty starts. And that's where the real change can happen. If I'm going to change something in your life and make it better than I found it, yeah. I need to know the truth because it's okay. So that's one of the first things that that we do to approach it. And then we get the information and then how are we taking that information into redesigning the way we do our work and integrating technology, integrating design and colors, all this information. But I think um, outside, if we can get to the core of those needs that we are going to be responding to, then we make better design and then we make better relationships and it goes on from there. Um, it's not that hard a conversation. Somebody's just got to take the other upper hand. Yeah. And I yeah. think it should be us because we're the ones that they're paying to control the situation. Right. They're coming right. to us because they don't have that information. So with that, we have to create a safe place to create change. And that's, that's what we do. Um, yeah. So, and it's, it's, it's so it's fascinating. To ask the question. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's one of the things and for the audience side, you've heard me say this before is you know, it's amazing what you can achieve in life. If you just stop and ask, ask a question, <laughs> ask permission, ask for the phone number, ask for the introduction. It's unbelievable what, what opportunities the world makes available to you. If you simply have, 
the confidence to ask, you know, ask somebody else for something. And, you know, I, I, I'm here today doing what I do today because I ask a lot of questions and I, you know, I, I'm not afraid to, to ask for a connection. I'm not afraid to ask for help. Um, I don't have all the answers and I'm also totally okay with that. It took me 40 years to figure that one out, <laughs> you know, but, but boy, how much more confidence do you have when you realize that you don't have to have all the answers and that relying on those that, that do have a greater knowledge or a greater skill set than you do in another area, you're in your lane there and theirs. Beautiful things happen and when that's when that's the case. And so I think that's really Laura was was one of the things that really fascinated me most about this conversation. One that it was very real and personal to you and that you and your husband worked through this um, and you know as, as design build professionals as well. And so you know you, at a time when the answers weren't there, you guys were were kind of figuring it out on the fly and and now look at now look at the knowledge that you've gained. But really, so just some really basic things. And, the, you know, especially, you know, I've come from the tech world. So but, you know, over on the design side, it was really interesting to have to watch Veronica lean in on the point about, you know, and let's let's talk about those pendants over a, over an island, shall we? Because that's yeah. all, you know, like, and I remember you saying that drives people crazy. And, and literally, I'm one of those people because I'm tall. So, you know, you can't see this out of radio land, but I'm, you know, I'm bouncing my head around the microphone because, you know, there's always something that's in that line of sight. <laughs> and it, drives you crazy so so talk about this. some of the changes in in sort of uh what we consider typical design approaches uh and some oh, yeah. of the crazy making elements that we that, that are out there <laughs> yeah, well, i mean especially now because we do need to respond to your earlier question about what are we doing now as far as what's happening in design overall generally speaking as a result of covid but there has been a lot of change on the design uh frontier so to speak with um decompression chambers and and now they used to be cute mud rooms now they're mud rooms slash decompression and decontaminating chambers and then um people are adding pets into their lives now because they uh, they are so valuable and uh they're priceless to um reducing stress and anxiety so now that we're living again with our animals in a different way kids are home and and we're creating zoom rooms and we're creating indoor outdoor and we're bringing those those materials are changing as a response to that because now we are uh, living differently in our homes. Uh, and now, especially now on the front of wellness, we have been maxed out, tested to, to, to the, to the limits about, you know, how much can we really stand? I mean, these moms that are trying to run a home business, husbands that are home trying to run their business, and you've got three little ones trying to, to stay focused on their iPad, which is that six months ago, that's where they, they relaxed. That was entertainment. <laughs> and now it's this and, and everybody's cooped up. And I think some of the things that we, you know, as designers that we, we do is I did through this whole process, I, uh, I'm, and I know how fortunate and blessed I am and I don't have a giant office, but I had a space that was sacred that I fought to, to maintain because I know my limits. You know, I know it's hard enough to stay focused, but to stay focused, how some moms are now, I mean, I got my hat's off to them. It is a struggle. It is a test for sure. But the one thing we're coming out of from this is now parents actually understand, I'm hoping and praying, they understand their kids' rhythms. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the things that I did uh, early on with the kids when they were little that might help moms in, in, even in technology now was you put your kids 
in charge of your time, which may seem really ass backwards, <laughs> but when they're feeling like you have no control and it feels like you're constantly being interrupted and that that's a first red flag that should send you to, okay, I'm not managing my time. Right. I'm not turning it on and off in the right amounts of time. And you need to step back and you need to approach your time management and segregate those things and allow more time in between to do the things you need to do. Gone are the days of wearing 80 hats. It doesn't, it's not fruitful, it's stressful. So one of the things that I did when the kids were little, because I was a single mom at that time, was I would, because I worked at home and I had, I worked four jobs at that time, but I would put the kids, I would got them, um, uh, one had a Mickey Mouse, one had a Daisy, and one had a Chip from Chippendale, all these little Disney clocks with the big obnoxious bell on the top. And I said, okay, I'm going to work for 90 minutes. And we set the timer for 90 minutes. I said, when that timer comes off, and you take this in your room with you, when that timer clicks off, you come and get me. And whatever I'm doing, my pencil's down, and we spend 15 minutes, whatever you want to do. That's cool. And upholding that is hard because you're, I had just as much training as they had. Is not only were they being quiet for 90 minutes because I had to work, but I had to work that 90 minutes so that I wasn't doing 15 things. Yeah. So it really taught me time management. But putting them in charge of that with the result of I get mommy for 15 home minutes, whatever I want, we're going to go for a walk, we're going to play, have a water fight, we go in the backyard and roll around in the sun and do, you know, whatever. On a uninterrupted time with your kids, even if it's 10 or 15 minutes, will give you 90 minutes of solid practice time in your work. So for me, coming up with those little details and ways um, to help incorporate it at home living and at home work was really, really helpful. We have a bunch of those little mom secrets, but that was one way that we, that, that we were able to, um, get through it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Hey, and you started by saying too, that I had the, the change in the, in the residential space and for the, the decontamination room. And I, I just, I'm not sure that that, that terminology is really going <laughs> to, that mainstream America is really going to go, yeah, that's what we want a decontamination room. But you know, you think about it, I mean, just that kind of a space period all of the time and to have somewhere to bring in your pets, to bring in, you know, your, your gardening, your whatever. I mean, that, that space to sort of collectively clean things up before they come into the house and make the rest of the house a dirty place. I imagine too, that there's just, there's an emotional wellness aspect of entering and exiting that room too. You know, you've kind of gotten rid of the, the gack, you know, <laughs> the, the whatever it is. And now you've, you've, you're moving into your sanctuary. And, um, and I, yeah. and I think that that's, that's a really interesting way of starting to look at, at the residents and sort of how, how the, how we changed the the first appearance of the home. You know, I, I, I can imagine the grand foyer is going to perhaps disappear and maybe it already has, but you know, the kind of, how do you still make it look like a wonderful residence, but kind of take care of, you know, some of those sort of unfortunate aspects of life and, and uh, you know, sort of wrap, wrap the house around that. It's really interesting to me. So. 
Well, it is. And that's where technology comes in because now we have, uh, you know, steam chambers and that can, that can, you know, decontaminate is a big word. I always think of, you know, just, I just don't think of it in a, a way other than just with a great grain of salt and a sense of humor. Yeah. You know, it is what it is. You it are. Is. And, and, you know, bringing in the market and with the, we've got the, the, the infrared wands and we're cleaning <laughs> yeah. the potato chip bags with pine salt, you know, you've got all this thing that's, that's like really happening. Yeah. And yes, we'll all fade back into some sense of normalcy and it will dissipate and we won't be as hyper vigilant, I'm sure. But the idea that your home is a sanctuary and that there is a moment when you transfer from yeah. the, uh, the, the, the world to your sacred space and I think that there's, we used to call it a landing zone, you know, <laughs> the junk drawer. We've called it everything, but really what it is, it's a transitional um, practice. Yeah. And adding in design aesthetics around that transitional practice, knowing what kind of practice your family needs in particular. Um, it, it might be better to just add a mop sink and, a, and a, a steam chamber in the garage. So before you even walk in, you throw, you know, your, your thing in this, your jacket's in the steam room. You got that. You wash your hands right in the garage in a mop sink. You, you put your counter, you put all your groceries out on the counter and you walk in the house and, and it might be less stressful for you that way. Yeah. So I think it's just about really thinking about, and that, you know, here, that all goes back to the same comment of alignment. What is it that makes you, I mean, you and I could go into a deep dive right now. I could go into your childhood and ask you great questions. <laughs> I'm not judging. Right. I mean, nobody has been, had required more resilience in my life than me. I would just giggle and go, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, we've all got a brother or an uncle, a sister, a cousin, a, a son, a daughter, a mom, a dad. You know, we've all got something in our life that we could share. Yeah. And probably find a beautiful moment of connection and love and a relationship that's on a, on a, it's on a deeper level than what we do. It yeah. really is. I mean, I get yeah. very emotional because if we can be brave about and create a safe space for our clients to kind of share that and be yeah. vulnerable, vulnerable, I can help you. I, I can help you with that. I can make a, a, a maybe make your life a little easier. So when you come home, you find joy, and you yeah. and you know somebody in the universe has your back when it comes to your you know your kids or your you know it's just so important, Katie. Yeah. I mean, it's just so real. No, it, it is. It it is. It is. And you know, I I, I can see your reaction. Um, I, I'm sure you're, you're hearing your reaction too. And I and I'm calling it out in, intentionally because this is, it, when you connect emotionally, amazing things happen. But it does take that towing into and sometimes crossing over all the way over into that very uncomfortable area of vulnerability. But man, when we spend a little time there and explore it and kick it around a little bit and and realize that it's okay to to just to listen, accept, and not judge, and 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 provide some solution on the other side. Oh man, it it really imagine, is. Imagine, yeah, just for a second, what would happen if everybody was 
really aligned with their spirit and their soul and their and, and an, in an unjudged way, yeah. in a way that had absolutely zero shame and that we could all come together and, and share in that moment and create something from that place that was full of acceptance and then make it beautiful. That's for me, that's personally, that's why I do what I do here. I mean, and that's what leads me to the stupid pendants that are over the Island. (laughs) Why do we have to put them there? Well, we don't. (laughs) We're here today to say that we do not. Right. (laughs) Right, That's one of those things that like, we are afraid to not, do it? I mean, are we really afraid that we're going to break some design uh, legal um, law that states if we don't do something that everybody else is doing, we're going to jail? I mean, what is that? I mean, it really is about, you know, a tall client not wanting to look at a light switch or a a pendant light in the middle of a conversation. So it's that simple, but only if you really reach in. Yeah. And it's so funny how things like that, just so simple, can literally stop people in their tracks. And you know, nothing scientific about this next comment whatsoever, but this is my story of my mom. And she used to drive me crazy as a kid. She's, she's older. She's, I'm, I'm in my mid-40s. She's in her late 80s now. Um, so I was a post-40 kid and she'd already had four already by the time I rolled around. And so she was, you know, she kind of, she had her, her ways of, of doing things. And I just remember there was like in a minute never happened. That was one of her favorite, one of her favorite lines. And it used to drive us crazy because what it meant was there's no excuse kid you can possibly give me. That's going to let me get you away, let you get away with not doing this right now, because you're going to try to convince me that you'll do it later and you never will. <laughs> so so in, in a minute never happens. And it's true in a minute never happens. And you know, there's a little PSA from your pal Katie here. On, on that one. But she would literally be in the middle of a conversation and she would see something out of the corner of her eye and she, like this world would stop. And it was all about what was going on over here that was in her line of sight. And as soon as her brain connected with what was in her line of sight, everything else just sort of ceased. And she had, she really had to deal with it right then and there. And it could be anything literally I used to ride horses as a kid. I was late to my riding lessons. She stopped the car in the driveway, got out to water the roses because in a minute never happens. <laughs> and she visualized that the roses were dying and she just, she could, she just kind of couldn't process that. And it was, it really did impact my relationship with her as a kid because I didn't understand, you know, it was, and now as an adult, I now realize what my mom sees is so critical to her health and well-being. And what we learned later is when there's, when there's a mess in her visual plane, it, it stops her in her tracks. She can't, she can't progress. She can't make a decision. She, it literally is like brain scramble. And, and when you try to get her to work through it, she'll just say, I just have this brain fog. Like I just, it's like my brain is on pause. And, and it's funny, I'm seeing you nodding and going, oh my God, oh my God. So this is, I see, I've told you a story. I feel so much better now. Like I've learned something new. <laughs> well, here's the thing. That's the visual. It's the truth. Yeah. So that, my daughter, my daughter has the same You know, we just as a family now understand and embrace the fact that she cannot move forward until X, Y, Z is complete. Yeah. Yeah. And it's under the, it's under the OCD kind of umbrella, but she, she can't move forward. Yeah. It's not possible. It's not going to happen. Yeah. But it's not a commentary on you're being important enough. Yeah. 
Yeah. It has nothing yeah. to do with that. But as a kid, you don't know that. Yeah. yeah. So now we get that. Now we yeah. understand it. We can help moms. Like I, I heard a mom say something um, because their son is on the spectrum. One of, one of the clients that we've worked with and, and when we first met him, wanted so badly for the child to look him in the eye. And I remember when I was um, learning about my son, and uh, we would go through to therapy uh, because I didn't understand at the very, he was very young, and this was, nobody knew what ADHD was and all these things. And I remember thinking to myself that if he just looked at me, he would hear it. Look at me. Look at me. me. (laughs) I'm like, just focus, focus, focus. And I'm thinking, oh, I mean, you know, I thought it was going to work until a a brilliant therapist said, okay, Daniel, in the the session, I know I'm going off, but it's such a good story. In the session, Daniel, there was toys all over the room and and he says, she says, okay, mom, I want you to read a list of 10 things that you'd like for Daniel to accomplish this week. 10 of them, which is a big list for a Ooh. six-year-old, yeah. seven-year-old. So I said, okay, and Daniel, you're going to listen to your mom, right? You, 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 I always do. And I, okay, now he bounced the ball. He threw the shots in the basket with a little Nerf ball. He opened and closed a book five or six times. He was tapping. He was running. He was fidgeting in his seat. He had his back to me 99% of the time. And then we all just, she goes, okay, um, did you get your list? Everything out? Good mom, Daniel, you good? Okay. Now, Daniel, tell your mom the 10 things on your list. And Katie, every flipping one. One. He heard every single thing I said. He knew which ones were more important and which ones were, you know, I made up to get to the 10, you know, and he knew what was important to me emotionally. And he picked the one that was the, he, he, she says, okay, now pick the one that you think is most important to your mom. And he did. (laughs) And from that moment on, I never asked him to look at me again when I was talking. That's amazing. I have to trust that that process that he has, and now, you know, now he's a, you know, he's, he's killing it in the engineering world and he's, uh, you know, he's doing great, but he does his own thing. He's got his own rhythm, his own thing, and he does it in his own way. And uh, can you imagine taking that and snapping your fingers at a child's face in school and saying, he's not listening? Yeah. Yeah. The the assumption mm-hmm. is is so it's a it's it's mind blowing the assumptive thinking that is going on in schools today and in, in these classrooms where and now back to the COVID thing you're able to sit with your kid. I have three. They all learn differently. They all have to do their homework at different times. They one has to do it alone, quiet. The other one has to do it with rock and roll music on. The other one has to do it while they're pacing. <laughs> one has to do it eleven o'clock at night. One has to do it right away when they get them from school. Rebecca, she can't move forward. You know, there's all these different dynamics. So we as parents, as long as we understand it and we have somebody at our back saying it's okay, let's make three zones for homework. Yeah, yeah. we're gonna make three homework zones. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I, and I'm so glad you, you went there. Cause I, I, <laughs> I was about to hook you and bring you over and go, okay, so, so how, now, how, how do we move forward in design and, and let's, you know, kind of keep this with, with homes that have, have kids, kids there. Um, bearing ages, I don't know that it matters necessarily, but so like, so, you know, kind of how would you, how would you advise either the homeowner or the, the design professional to, you know, ask the obvious questions. We've gone there already and, and, and create a space where you're comfortable with those vulnerabilities being exposed, um, what what else? Well, once you figure out, you've done your analysis, and you kind of get where the the natural flow, the family, and the dynamics, and when you know when are they fidgety, when are they settled, when do they need certain things from you afterwards? You know, my one of my daughters needed to just hold me after school, so I had to be available for that, and it set the whole tone for the rest of the night. Homework got done great; she got herself onto the you know the dean's list. But once I started to do that with her, but then I had to make sure that I set up the zones like what you said in ways that I was still accessible to the others but that I also was um had created spaces that were not intrusive to the the generic ways we need to function in the house you can't put a sofa on the top of the island and expect to sit there and make dinner with your foot you know it, it's not it's, that's not feasible it's not realistic so when we're talking about creating small compartmentalized spaces or open spaces where everyone can see each other but they're far enough away from each other where that might be possible and if if somebody has to do music homework with their music on loud, you know, obviously the other one who wants it quiet cannot function. So you need to be able to have chambers, you know, like, okay, this is where we're going to plug in. He's going to get the tech chamber. He's going to have the, the one with the most busy work because he needs to see me at all times, but he needs to hear, you know, Led Zeppelin and he needs to do his math. So put him in a kitchen, in the little desk in the kitchen where he can see me out of his periphery. He knows I'm there, but he's got his headphones. So we need to make sure that we can plug in someplace, someplace to store them so that when he's done, they're out of sight. So mom can have a clean kitchen. Those are the little details that we think about. So you create these chambers. One of them prefers to sit down on the couch and do it read while she's laying down. So that's important for her to have an area where, and most of the time kids at the younger ages want to see their parents. They want to see mom. They want to know they're right there in the next room. So when applying these things, every, of course, every family is different and every parent, it is different and every designer has a different aesthetic, but the basic, the very basic knowledge of, of how your family functions and then creating multiple zones for these things to happen in a way that in 15 minutes can be photo shoot ready. You know, that's the key to, to, to really, really facilitating the design work into a, you know, making it great. So that's one of the things we did. We definitely have like, the dining room table, as long as it had to be quiet. So thinking about acoustics is really important. Yeah. Really important. You know, if you've got a lot of bouncing, bouncing sound and you've got, you know, things that are going to be highly distracting, hanging on, you know, the, the gardener comes every day at three forty-five, right outside the window, your kid's not going to be able to not see that. So the leaf how do we blower, right? The, the, blower, the leaf blower. Mm-hmm. Screw up your whole dinner hour with the homework that never got done. So, you know, and even if it's a husband needing to come home and check in, 
perhaps the best place for them to check in is have that, you know, that zone where he can go where the kids can see him, but he's also very separate glass doors mm-hmm. on an office. It's a simple change, yep. but that way your office is closed. You're making your phone calls. You're doing your zoom. The glass is closed, but guess what? Kids know you're there. Kids can see you. You're reducing anxiety for the family, but you still have segregated privacy. Mm-hmm. So little, little things like that. I think as far as rebuilding and remodeling to really create cool spaces where families can really exist rather than just visit. Um, that's key. I think yeah. Those yeah. just some tips that we've in, implored over the last few years that have really made quite a bit of difference for the kids yeah. going, you know, getting really good reports from their classroom teachers because and I don't know why a little so-and-so is, is in the 98th percentile and we were about to put her in a special school, you know, and, and that's fine. Special schools are great. They get a lot of really awesome attention, but it's not always the answer. Right. 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 Yeah. Address the cause and, and the effect. Correct. Yeah. And you know, it's, needs have to be addressed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, I think kind of addressing the health of the home and, and beginning with the occupants. Um, it's really, it's just, it, again, it's a fascinating, fascinating conversation for me. And I, <laughs> there are so many more layers we can go down, right. go down on, on this one, but uh, you know, I, I would love to revisit this again in another six months, nine months, because it, yeah, everything's going to change again. And, and to, you know, young, young kids who are now learning from home for the first time, it'd be really interesting to see how that home evolves in the next five years as younger kids are now in high school. And, you know, what is that transitional time in their lives what does that look like and how are you designing around that and then ultimately when they leave the house and you know what what then is that transition out of the kids space into now much more adult centric space and i you know that's i'm I'm always just fascinated by by that but i think this this generation is going to be very different (laughs) for obvious reasons for sure absolutely and then and things will evolve beautifully and and the design world will will respond the tech world will respond to um i think as long as we're all our objective is always to promote wellness and joy and unity and love then i think that we'll just we'll just if we can just be a couple of steps ahead of it and try to rebuild like it's like i'll pitch the tent you guys come later and it'll be ready when you get here. If we as a design community can, uh, and a tech community together, um, you know, globally, uh, step, you know, launch out ahead, stake the claim to these new ideas, and then prepare for people to come and follow that, we need to get that ready for them. And I know tech really is, but is the objective always pure? And I think, that if we can maintain peer objectives and, and really think about not only each other and the love that we need to feel every day, the joy and the wellness, also our beautiful mother earth. If we need to take care of our earth, we need to invest in it and bring it to us um, and not use it, but restore it. And we can do that in our own homes, mm-hmm. um, uh, bringing, you know, natural foods in uh, that we can grow now in our, you know, hydroponics and beautiful home gardens that are, you know, maybe if you're a farmer, you would laugh at me thinking that we could sustain a family on truly on a, on a few victory gardens. But the concept 
is is the the seed. Yep. If we start, you know, I can't change the world, so why try? That's baloney. Yeah. Yeah. We have to start somewhere. If we start in our own homes, with our own communities, and we as a design world and community, you know, let's get out there and and get out ahead of everything and get it ready. Yeah. So that when they're all, they come to find us that they, they find something that's pure and good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's so hard because we're such, we're so data driven and, and, and big data is, does make amazing things possible for us in, in life, but it really is. It just has to come down to the, to the, the personal level. And, you know, I, I love your philosophy on, you know, doing, doing good and doing, doing for the good of good. Um, it's very, it must be why we get along so well. This is definitely, that's definitely how I'm driven. I, it's always, you know, it's, uh, it, I'm not motivated by money. And that's always, you know, it's, it, people just it's, find that really hard to kind of deal with. It's like at the end of the day, it's just, yeah, it's a necessity, but it, that's not, you know, joy and happiness is what motivates me and being able to provide for others is what really gets me going. Exactly. So, you know, and that's really, you know, this is why this podcast exists. You know, this is a great conversation because I'm interested in it, but it's really more, you know, I want to make this platform available so that others can hear what you have to say and learn from, from, from what you've learned from and, 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 and go and apply on your own. But, but, it, you know, just listen to the stories and lean in a little bit. And, and we always, we, we've got something to learn from everybody. So. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Absolutely. If, and if we just bother really leaning in, like you said, yeah. lean into each other and yeah. uh, becoming a, a, a supportive community. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing that tragedy always uh, does. It's always like a tap on the shoulder or a brick to the head, you know, like, Hey guys, like when, you know, we, we band together intuitively <laughs> That when there's a fire, you've got people feeding your neighbors and the water to the, the firemen and you've got this beautiful and it feels great. It's overwhelming sense of love and 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 and, and, and unity and it feels good. You cannot yeah. it changes your body chemically. It just it's an immense powerful thing, you know, love yeah. in the grandest sense, you yeah. know. And yeah. and so uh, unfortunately, we, we tend to have to respond to crisis mm-hmm. that way, as opposed to choosing to, the, can we live that way without the crisis? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's a big thing to me. At least we can try. You and I, Katie, yep. we're going to try. We're trying. We're trying. I've tried to live without crisis every day. <laughs> and if at first we don't succeed, we'll try, 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 try again. <laughs> Here's what, my, here's what my mom always said. You got you got one from yeah. your mom. My mom would say, <laughs> she would always say, you know, when I when it was crisis crisis, she says, "Honey, you know what? You can't chase someone who isn't running. <laughs> Stand firm in your objectives, and lead with love." So, you know, it's 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 pretty awesome. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Wise words, wise words, mom. We, well done. We, can without, uh, we can do without the crazy though. We know? can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we need less crazy. We need a lot less crazy. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, as we get closer to the holidays, you know, it's just, it's, we've got, we've got one more hurdle ahead of us in just a couple of weeks. We can, we can do this. We can do this, but you know, it's just, I, I, I am craving the holidays so much this year, even though I know it's, it's not going to be, 
it's going to be totally different, not going to be with family. It may very well just be my husband and my, my brother and his wife. And, and that's, you know, that's kind of, that's our little pod right now. And that's, and that's cool. But I just, I need that. I need the holiday spirit in my life this year. Um, really bad. You know, like I just, I, I, I need the tree. I need the, <laughs> yeah. I, I was driving down the road the other day and our malls are still, you know, closed up and everything. Yeah. And I said to myself, I said, you know what, you know, I'm, I'm talking to myself all the time. So I was saying, having this conversation with myself, I said, you know, it's not about stuff. It's not about, it's not about, you know, retail. It's not about this, not about that. And then I started driving and I'm thinking to myself, but wait a minute, the coffee that I had with mom when the babies were first born at, at Bullock's Wilshire during the holidays (laughs) in our red coat, you know, it wasn't about retail. It wasn't about spending money. It was about the moments that the holiday provides. Yeah our friends and family that we take with it. And so it doesn't necessarily mean that we, that that's where Christ is, or that's where God, you know, that that God is not in, in Christmas is not about stuff and presents, but it is about the spirit of togetherness and the spirit of love and the spirit of that holiday that I am with you a hundred percent. I miss the malls. (laughs) The retail experience is really nice. (laughs) Shopping online is not the same. (laughs) It's not. It's not. No, really. No. And I don't know how you guys are, how you guys are doing. I'm just an incredibly tactile person. So, you know, online shopping works well enough for me for, you know, kind of the basic things, but you know, when it's a design, you know, I'm trying to deal with lighting right here and it's like, I'm just, huh. (laughs) You just can't because I can't touch it. I can't, you know, I can't see it. I it's 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 so it's so difficult. So I can only yeah. imagine how challenging it has been for you guys, and to also not be able to take your clients as often or as frequently as you need to go into the design centers and the <laughs> kind of the creative spaces where you get that that mind meld going on. So well, that that's so challenging. That's true, and I think it, it, there is a mind melt thing that happens when you're out physically doing that. It's it's kind of like a rite of passage for clients to mm-hmm. do the job every day. But I gotta say, in LA, maybe it's I don't know, just us, but we haven't had one day of non-essential work. Yeah, yeah. You know, we right. have been uh, we've been going from day one because construction is always essential. And um, I must say that our local community vendors that we work with all the time are. And the, the local artisans that we work with, which is key to working in your community, especially when we yeah. talk about resiliency and building your community back after the Woolsey fire. I mean, everything changed. Now we have COVID and we can't ship anything. Everything changed. But what he realizes is that, you know, we have artists right here. There's a factory in downtown LA where they're creating the most glorious lighting you know, so you go down and everybody's, everybody's really rolled their sleeves up and with, with barring just the social distancing and the six foot obnoxious max, you know, you know, everybody's working. I mean, the reps will drop off fabric samples. And I think it's a community when you can work with your community locally, you know, I, I, I think it's been really quite lovely. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, beyond the, the shipping over, you know, the big shipping big, issue. Yeah. Yeah. Supply big, chain. Yeah. No, I think that it's, it's, it's uh, it is hard. You need to touch it. Yeah. 
it's yeah. a three-dimensional world that we live in. It is. Yeah. 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 And very much to your point earlier too, is just the way that you, that one may react to a certain textile or, or a texture or a color or a f- fabric or, you know, whether it's texture and fabric and textiles are the same thing, but anyways, you know, just the, the individual reaction is, is such that, you know, it really does take that in person. So. Oh yeah. I mean, I to evolve. When my client, I'll put three or four or five colors out and I can literally watch what they don't want. And I'll pick it up and go, okay. And I'll throw it over my yep. shoulder. <laughs> yep. Yep. Lost your attention on that one. Gone. <laughs> okay. You don't like blue. I got it. <laughs> they, don't, they don't want to disappoint me. They don't want to say the wrong thing. They don't want to do the wrong thing. And I can just watch what they want or not want. And I can yeah. tell you that's out. Yeah. And if it's all out, I say, okay, let's start over. Start over. Yeah. And Plain slate. It's all good. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, this, I, I loved this conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. And and I appreciate you doing the reschedule as well. You know, this is, we'll just tell that story. We had a, we had a power outage last week. We were all set to go scheduled, ready to go 9am boom, power, everything gone. You know, you just have to, you just got to roll with the punches. (laughs) <laughs> what to do next that matters. Exactly, exactly. So this is the year of rolling with the punches and figuring it out and uh, and, and kind of uh, making things work on the fly. So amazing amounts of resilience we've shown as a society this year. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, but uh, share with the audience how, how people, if they wanted to engage with you guys, learn more about what you do or connect with you personally, how would they do oh, it? Oh, I would love everyone to visit us. Uh, we can find us at fourpointdesignbuild.com and it's all spelled out fourpointdesignbill.com uh, you can visit our blog there the four point report find us all on there we're on social media uh, all across the all across the platforms uh, at the number four pt design build and you find us there you can any you can catch us anywhere if you land on the website perfect perfect yeah we'd love to have everybody there yeah, and tons of knowledge as you guys learned today, and beautiful, beautiful website as well. I uh, I, I had it up; it was on my uh, on one of my tabs almost all last week, and I kept going back. It's just like, yeah, those are so pretty. Those rooms are so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so beautiful site, beautiful work. Congratulations to you and the team. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yes, yes, yes. All right, everyone. Well, this has been a conversation with Laura Muller for Point Design Build. I'm Katie McGregor Bennett, your host of Connecting Tech and Design. If you've got a subject that you'd like to explore or a conversation you'd like to have, hit us up on the social. You'll find us out there on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, I think. You'll find us there too. Thanks again for taking the time out of your day to listen to the show. We appreciate you immensely. We'll catch you on another episode. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.